This presentation was from Yorks Australia 2017, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit yorksaustralia.com.au. Uh, years ago, um, I was involved in the design of a website for the Sydney to Hobart yacht race. And I'm not sure whether you're familiar with it, but it starts on Boxing Day at 1pm. And the website absolutely has to be up and running um, on that day and for the next 36 hours. And after that, no one really cares very much. But for those 36 hours, everybody cares very, very deeply. I still have scars from that experience. I'm going to sit over here and this is going to be therapy for me. Warwick, Florian. Great. Um, please join me in welcoming Warwick and Florian to the stage. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to one of the luckiest, or some of the luckiest people in the world today. Uh, but I need to, your participation here. So I want you to raise your hands up if you are passionate about sports, sports in general. I figured there'd be a lot of you here because you're coming to our talk. Although we haven't got sports in the title, uh, it's kind of obvious, right? So keep your hands raised if you would like to work in sports or work in the design of sports and events and things of that nature. Yeah. Now, keep your hands raised if you actually have a few. These are very lucky people, passionate, right? Uh, have worked in the areas they love and, and get to do that. And I put my hand down, unfortunately, because I haven't had that direct experience. Um, but our company, Oakton, has. Florian and I came to Oakton about three or four years ago. And we've been in the same UX team there. Uh, about a year afterwards, uh, we were acquired by a larger organization, and we then had the opportunity to be involved in the design and development uh, and rollout and underpinning infrastructure and data production that goes into a major event. Unfortunately, uh, because we're still involved in that process, we're not allowed to show you the output of our work. This is a, a real problem for us. We're under an NDA. So, uh, I'm thankful that we didn't get a 40-minute talk because we, it's much more concise at 20 minutes without all the screens and things that we could show. Um, but we still have a lot to show. So back in that time, Florian was uh, chosen as the UX lead on that project, and I work, went off to work at finance and banking and insurance and things of that nature. Um, but his world was a little bit different from mine. Florian got to work in sports. And in particular, we want to talk about what are the complexities of designing for uh, major events. So what's unique about major events? Some of the things are very obvious, of course, right? These are global, well-known, the best of the best, the biggest of the biggest events, yes? They uh, speak to all the world's languages. They cover all the world's time zones. All the users that are going to be using your applications are everywhere. Um, they have very limited time frames. It might be something that lasts for a day, like the Super Bowl. It might be something that lasts for a month, like the Olympic Games and the Special Olympics together. Um, and obviously, they have massive crowds. And we're not just talking about sports. We're also talking about potentially cultural events, like here we have the Hajj pilgrimage down here on the bottom left corner, which I hear is uh, going through a digital transformation of its own. Some of the less obvious things about designing for major events is that events have tradition. Of course, they've been around for hundreds of years. Everything you can think of that you watch on TV that is that yearly, every four years, uh, they 
they have their traditions, they have their own language, they have their own uh, equipment and te uh, terminology that describes everything about them. They're completely different, all of those different events. While they're traditional, they're also very innovative. I have no idea what's going on here, but all the different technologies are surfacing through these major events because they have so much exposure. There's so much money and marketing and everything around events that uh, the big players, Microsoft's and, and Dimension Data and IBM, those guys want to get involved and showcase their, their new cool data uh, visualization technologies and drones, potentially. And these are the kinds of, th of applications that we're talking about. We're not really worried today about event management software, like stadium ticketing and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about that, getting all that information from the event and enhancing the user's experience through our designs. So here we have some examples. This is all IBM. None of this is Oakton. Um, IBM Slam Tracker you might have seen at the Wimbledon event, which is at the moment here showing some content, co uh, uh, content collation there. Uh, some data visualization from the US Masters, and you'll see on the right side some very complicated scorecard type information. And that's following that traditional model that we talked about, that traditional language. Um, but the process itself of designing for these major events is also a little bit different. Um, of course, these things happen every year, every four years. You can't continuously work on them. You might become involved with just six months to go before the, this major event happens. And you've still got to follow your research design prototype, of course, the normal design process, but the end result of that is very different. As Steve said, you've got that hard deadline. It's not moving. Come rain, hail, or shine, when the, the event starts, your application and all your underlying technology and everything else better be ready to go. But what a way to go, right? All that pressure and everything else, it's so exciting because you're going to get potentially 50 million or so viewers using your your content or your application and viewing your design. It's very exciting. So, Florian's, uh, we're going to ask Florian a few questions related to each one of these stages and how, in his experience and his design in this major event that you worked in, how it might differ and what your experiences are. Okay? I'll start with understanding the language. We spoke about the language and the terminology of the events. Um, so, how do you how do you think, as a designer, do you think that it's necessary for you to have a deep understanding of the event, the terminology itself, or is it something you pick up? Well, um, generally, I'm not a big fan of um, having to be a double expert. I think as, as UXers, it's one of our key skills to, to be able to get the knowledge out of users and out of stakeholders that we need to come up with suitable designs. But in the course of the last few years on the project, I have to say, um, I found it was quite helpful. So I've, I've got uh, this example from cricket. Who of you is following the cricket? Right. Some. Some. So, some. Um, now, I know there is some guys from Cricket Australia here who wouldn't have that issue, but imagine you're a, a German designer and you're told, well, please come up with some design or some visualization that helps cricket fans understand all this stuff up there on a the slide or what LBW is or something. So you will have, you will have a problem. Yeah? So you need that knowledge at least very close to you in your team um, and you need to have it accessible and, well, your product manager might be 
busy with other stuff in the lead up to a major event and might be in a different time zone. So it definitely helps to have that knowledge yourself. Uh, also because as a UXer you're in a position where you have to, or you will explain your designs to, to developers and testers and other people. So it definitely helps, although it might not be completely necessary, but yeah, it helps. Okay, but you've got to have that skill in your team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so research, now you've assembled your team. How do you go about designing with that global audience that we're talking about? All those different people, different skill sets, different abilities, different time zones. How do you, how do you? Yeah, so, I mean, it is obviously a global audience. You'll have the obvious um, challenges of uh, having different time zones, having different languages, um, having, yeah, the different time zones will lead to different contexts of use. So people in the same, ti same time zone as an event might, um, might follow it at work during work hours, or they might uh, be at the location. In other time zones, people might follow it in the evening or at night at home on the couch and use your product just as a, like as a second screen application while the television is running. So you've got all these different contexts of use. You also have, um, you have fans that are passionate about that event and about that sport. At the same time, in particular for these major events, you will have people becoming fans uh, that, you know, only for that event. So you have people following the soccer only while the World Cup is on every four years, and their knowledge won't be as, as deep uh, or they won't be as much experts in the sport as others. So you, you can cover all, this, all these different types of users and those different needs um, in your application. You will personalize your, your product, uh, sorry, you will localize your product. You'll have different languages, um, different units of measure. You might have content that specifically talks to, uh, to novice users, like educational content, and explain them the offside rule. Or you might have you know, content that's very much diving into it for, for more advanced users. But at the same time, you will have other user groups that are involved with that, um, with that major event, and that's where it can become more complex. Right? So you might have the press and media that you need to support with some UI. You might have uh, VIPs at the event, like Charles and his children um, there, or you might have the TV commentators that need a, a tool to help them when they are when they're running their television shows, or you might have the the teams of the participants. And uh, so, because you will find that those needs are so so specific, um, you might decide, oh, that it's best to come up with with a, with a, uh, with their own product for these groups. Or you might have commercial obligations that, in a contract, it might say well, you are, you are obligated to deliver an, an app to each of the teams or something like that. So, and then you have those timelines that are immovable. You've got limited budget, so you'll try and, and um, come up with a modularized design and with components that can be reused across those pieces. Mm -hmm. Great. So we spoke earlier about the technology companies who have traditionally bought the sponsorship of the major event. They want to showcase all of this cool technology that they've got. But you've also got the traditional aspects of uh, the viewing experience that the users are expecting. So how do you go about sort of integrating that new technology with the traditional aspects of the design? Yeah, you do have, of course, great new technology and great new data available. Um, 
at the same time, these events have, ex have been existing for yeah, hundreds of years, maybe, and there is an existing uh, event taxonomy in place, and there is existing patterns, you know, that people are, are used to the event and to following it in a certain way, and um, you have to be careful, you know, breaking with these patterns, even though you might have um, options to, to really enrich that event dramatically. But the thing is, you are just enriching it. You're not really recreating the event. So you might decide that you, uh, that you start with, um, with these existing patterns and make that your, your entry point and then use uh, more, um, you know, oops, uh, use more, uh, yeah, more, uh, more revolutionary visualizations that are different to those patterns, you know, if you drill down into the experience and if, you, if you're producing something more specific for novice users or advanced users. And also, I mean, if you look at this, you'll come up with some kind of a, or you come up with an information architecture for your product or for your experience, and you have to consider that, that existing event taxonomy, you know, like the Olympics, they have an opening ceremony and a closing ceremony and medals and different events, and so you're overlaying your IA over that existing taxonomy, so to speak. Great. Oh, oops. Oh, hey, you got to practice. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, so we heard a talk just earlier about uh, prototyping in a live environment, uh, which was physically in the environment of the workspace. This is a bit different. We're to talking about prototyping with live data and the, all the intricacies that happen. What are some of the challenges that you faced in, with your team in testing and, pro uh, and prototyping your designs with that new unproven technology? Yeah. Yeah, so in particular, live data is an interesting one. So we've got all these great new data available. Yeah? We've got biometric data, we've got uh, weather data, and, and not only from, from one place where an event is held, but let's say it's a race that goes over 200 kilometers, you'll have different uh, uh, points at which you have the, the meteorologic data, you will have GPS data, all kinds of data. And um, yeah, there is, in the whole field of data visualization, you'll have a an issue of uh, that you need to identify what are the problems and the questions that are worth answering, what do I want to tell the user, and then what, what kind of data or which data do I use to, to, to answer the question and how do I visualize it. Now, that's quite similar. Um, the, and, and of course, if we answer those challenges co uh, correctly, then we have an opportunity to yeah, create something great that wasn't there before, to really enrich that, that experience. The difference to to other uh, data visualization uh, projects is probably that um, this is mostly live data. So, and, and with that dependency that you create from your, from your user experience to the data, um, yeah, so you, there is a risk that something goes wrong in the, uh, on the data side. Oh, man, sorry. On the data side. And, um, you know, it's, it's quite likely that something falls over, that you don't get data for a while because, I don't know, the, the, the participants go through an area with bad reception or because a, a bicycle uh, is put on a car and then the speed of that bicycle becomes the speed of the car kind of thing. So you might, uh, you might end up with incorrect data or with data that is not the data you want to show. So there is, and then there is a few ways to, to mitigate those 
those risks. Firstly, you want to work very closely with your data team and collaborate with them and make sure that they understand uh, what uh, the, the stuff is that you want to show in which place. Secondly, you want to test, and yeah, we spoke about uh, prototyping in real environments. So you want to test with real data because that experience during the event or when you have the live data is very different to the UI that you come up with and like to show a static map, let's say, is very different to show a map with uh, markers on it that, that move around, right? So, and so you have to, to test with that live data. And one way of doing that is you use lead-up events. So most of those major events have smaller events. Think about uh, Wimbledon. There is smaller lawn tennis tournaments that lead up to Wimbledon. It's great if you get a chance to, to test your whole system, including live data coming in at one of those. And um, yeah, thirdly, you want some fallback designs that even if things go wrong, you have got something in place that's more valuable than this to the user, right? Awesome. So now the event is approaching. Presumably you've had millions of dollars and an unlimited budget and the, all the designers and all the access to the users and everything that you need to create this terrific experience yes. at, when the event starts. And you can just put your feet up and rest, right? Yeah. Why don't you uh, sort some of those myths out for us? Yeah, it's of course not like this. Um, the reality is you, you don't have any any budget or any resources that are much different to, to most other projects. Um, in fact, you might find that your, your client is not very digitally mature because they don't come from, a, from the digital space, it's something very different they usually do. And also you have got this immovable deadline at the end. So you know, it doesn't matter what happens, you have, like this event is not going to start a week later for you. So, you might get thrown extra money and extra people at you towards the end if things go wrong, but you don't really want that to happen. So um, in many ways, similar to, to other projects, but what is worth taking a look at, I think, is the, the setup of delivering this experience. You know, how does that work? So uh, like in uh, most projects, you've got some kickoff, you've got a few milestones. So this one might be where you have your... Uh, your wireframes ready, and you've got another one where you might have your visual design ready. There, you know the event is going to start, and then you overlay some delivery methodology, maybe two-week sprints here in a Scrum uh, environment. And um, yeah, so that's all good, and you think you make it to that uh, point, and fantastic. But the reality is you get to that starting line, you just make it, and... Uh, yeah, you still have a lot of stuff in your backlog, and you, you know there's things we have to fix that will have to be done by the next week, by the second week of the event, and all that kind of stuff. So the fun and uh, what is quite specific maybe for those major events starts during the event. So I thought I'd show you um, what a day during that event might look like. Right? So you've got, um, this is Australian time, and we assume that the event takes part in Europe. So it's midnight, the event is still happening, um, the, the event is on, and by about 1.30 in the morning, let's say, it's over for the day. And what happens then is the people over in Europe 
um, they, they will have a whole lot of feedback from the client, from like the organizers of the event. They will have feedback from, from fans on, uh, on social media. They will have feedback themselves, like the product team. So they will gather all that and say, this stuff worked well today. This stuff didn't work well. Okay. And then around 6 a.m. Australian time, there will be some, um, some briefing with the technology or with the team over here. And they decide, okay, what are our priorities for the day? Right? So these are the things we need to fix. These are the things we need to work on. And then they've got all day to, yeah, to build that stuff and to test it. And then once it gets tested, gets deployed, and it's ready for, for the next day of the event. And you, you have that for like you know, two, three, four weeks. And basically, it's one-day sprint cycles, right? So you are reprioritizing, you're planning, blah, blah, blah. So, <clears throat> Fascinating. As UXer, you try and make yourself useful. It's really handy to, uh, to stay on board the project uh, still at this late point in the game, I find. And I hope that the team finds that it's useful too. Um, in particular, because, well, the developers will have questions you can help them with. The testers have questions you can help them with. And you, there is a lot of work to do still. And because, like we heard, the best time or the best way to test this is in a live environment. This is really the best time to test for next year. So that's great. Um, Oops. Last slide. Yes. Uh, last slide. So just to summarize, we've seen that, that it does pose some unique challenges. Obviously, there's the unproven technology and that massive amount of live data and how you fit that into that traditional model and uh, how you design for a global audience. You can't design for everyone. And that the events, of course, have a limited uh, time frame, which is quite unique. But a lot of it remains the same, of course. The design process is the same. Respecting existing mental models is something we use in all different types of businesses. And the languages that you'll learn in finance or insurance or something like that, you still have to go in a designer and, and learn that language before you can put a design together. And that's part of being a designer, right? Adapting to new languages. So hopefully we haven't scared anyone off from being involved with a, a design for major events. And if you get the opportunity, jump at it. Um, thank you very much for uh, your attention today. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2017. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.